Well, this time of the year brings about the fall work of our cattle. Activities like shipping yearlings or preconditioning or weaning and preg checking. There's, there's just a lot going on. So how can we do all this and keep the stress level down in our cattle? If they're concentrating on working for me and working for me is nothing bad happens, then they forget about the past stress. Steve Cody is back with us to talk about some of the low stress practices we can do to keep our animals in the right frame of mind. We're going to start with approaching the corrals with cattle. How to reduce the pressure they feel at the gate and one of the biggest stressors weaning and really weaning to me is it can be one of the worst experiences of the animal's lives or or it can be no big deal plus we'll get into the proper techniques and effectively using a bud box steve cody as we talk about how and what we can do to keep the stress level low not only in our cattle but for me and you as well on this episode of the working ranch radio show This is the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills, and we're glad to have you tuned in and joining us for our program here today. It's been a busy week for us here at the X-Ring Ranch. Uh, was helping a neighbor most of the week ship yearlings as uh, things coming off of grass this year. We're fortunate to have uh, some pretty good moisture this year and a lot of good growth in these cattle, these summer cattle for folks. It's always something I enjoy doing because I, I remember even as a little kid, I was thinking about this the other day, even as a little kid, whenever we got into the uh, spring or fall of the year and you were working livestock uh, for us growing up, maybe it was sheep or cattle or whatever that was, I always remember that when those days came, we begged to be able to get out of school to help dad work cattle and it was something I enjoyed doing I enjoy helping other folks do that as well and so I had the honor and privilege to be able to help a neighbor this week as he was shipping cattle out and getting them off of grass and moving on to the next step in their lives so it and it kind of goes hand in hand a little bit with our conversation here today as Steve Cody will be joining us again now he was back with us uh, I believe it was close to the end of July where he joined us we had a, a session with him on uh, basically some of the th- activities that takes place in the summertime getting a herd started and approaching a herd so some various things like that that he joined us in talking with us on that today he is back as we're going to be focusing more on some of the activities a lot of us in, encounter when it comes to working our cattle in the fall of the year now i know we got spring calvers we got fall calvers that listen to the show we got ranchers we got feedlot operators and various things and, and a lot of different things but i really do feel that some of the things you're going to hear today you really just need to put it into the context of your own operation and we'll hit some different segments as well with with that but I think it's going to be one of these shows where you hear it and it would be really good to go and download it on our podcast site or Spotify or whatever podcast site you use go ahead download again and listen to it again because even for myself as I'm putting this show together here today I hear things differently, and uh, I think you you will as well, as I'll be sharing with you bits and pieces of my recent conversation with Steve Cody. A little bit different, the fact that a lot of times I just kind of open up the mic and we have a conversation. We did that, but we talked a lot. We had a, we had a long conversation, so I had to kind of edit some things up and make that fit for the context of our show here today. So Steve Cody is my guest here today. His last name is spelled C-O-T-E. I say that because I know for some Folks, if you've not heard of Steve, you might want to go and find his website or Google him, see what he's all about. His website, you can also find at CodyStockmanship.com. But I'm excited to share that conversation with you here today with him, as it will be very valuable for a lot of us. And uh, really, as we look to better ourselves and our industry, this is one of these things, a subject here today that I think will be very valuable to any of us in the cattle industry. Before we get too far, I do want to thank our sponsors of today's program. Vitalix. Livestock is your livelihood. Tubs are our expertise. Vitalix, the true blue tub. Find out more at vitalix.com. And the American Gelvy Association, a highly fertile, moderately framed cow that raises high-performing calves even in tough environments. Now that's doing more with less. The Gelvy cow's efficient use of resources make her the picture of sustainability in today's modern beef industry. To find out more, go to their website at gelvy.org. And performance 
performance beef, making decisions based on data, not a hunch. Cattle management software that's easy to use and allows you to simplify feeding, performance, and health data recording from shoot side, at the pen, or out in the pasture. You can find out more at www.performancelivestockanalytics.com. And Tank Toad, your remote water monitoring system, all from the convenience of your phone, powered by solar, satellite, and cell. You can keep an eye on your water supply with a daily text message. Call Metal Arc Solutions today for tank monitors, well controllers, generators, and more. Give them a call at 801-252-6135. Their website is tanktoad.com. It's what we use here on the X-Ring Ranch. Be sure to let them know you heard it here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Well, it's time now to check in with the captain, Tim O'Byrne. He is publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. Hey, Justin. Hey, everybody out there in Working Ranch Radio Land. Hope your week went great. Hope next week is even better. Justin, last week you had a great episode on the value of mineral supplementation. And I got to tell you, 18 years I've been at this magazine, and we talk to a lot of people out there. A lot of times guys will call me up and just shoot the breeze, you know, for 20 minutes and and just... uh, uh, let me know what's going on, and um, a lot of times, this is what I hear. This is this is the number one thing I've heard, probably in the last ten years since we started really doing a good job of our mineral supplement column. Gilda V. Bryant writes it for us every issue, and uh, trying to really explain the value of of exactly what you talked about in that last episode. And the thing that I hear the most is, hey, Tim, guess what? We finally broke down and uh, spent that uh, cash and got a nutritionist to come out here and take some feed samples, have a look around, and give us a custom mineral supplement or turn us on to a mineral supplement for this area, just like you recommended in the show last episode. And we got our preg rate from 86 to 93%, and it paid for itself in the first year. We I hear that all the time. So, guys... Guys, that is the number one thing I've heard uh, sitting in this chair for 18 years. The second thing is genetics. We went and finally bit the bullet and tried to figure out how to improve the genetics on this place to suit our operation. And it just paid off in spades. Back to you, Justin. All right. Thanks, Captain. And yeah, you know, uh, even for myself, as, as he and I were talking last week after the show and he shared with you his thoughts here today about in his many years of doing this, it's been something that he's heard time and time again about the effectiveness of a good mineral program. And for myself, it's something that I try to do is ask questions to other producers that I think do a good job with their livestock and in terms of being profitable in their ranching operations and minerals is something that continues to come back as one of the key things that they put a lot of high priority into. You know, the captain also mentioned that something else that uh, is is important is improving your genetics. In fact, in the last issue of Working Ranch Magazine, it's the September-October issue that it should be, you should have on the kitchen table by now already. It should have already been delivered if you are a subscriber. But he does recap his trip up to Canada for the Beef Improvement Federation's annual symposium that took place. And one of the things as he and I were recapping that trip that he took up there that was something he pointed out was how important it is to be looking at uh, there's really some strong and good ways to improve your genetics and that to it itself can bring uh, a profitable change to your operations so take a look at that article in fact I believe it starts on page 24 of the September October issue and if you do not have your subscription to Working Ranch Magazine folks it's real simple you can go to their website at workingranchmag.com and you can get your subscription started today. Well, we're going to take a break here. And when we come back, Steve Cody will be joining us. I'll be sharing with you parts of my conversation with him as we talk about how do we reduce that stress and some of the fall activity and work that takes place for a lot of us here, whether it's a ranching operation, maybe it's a feedlot receiving cattle or or somebody receiving in some calves for the winter months or fall winter months. Nevertheless, there's things today we're going to be talking about that I think will apply for all of us here in the ranching operation when it comes to reducing the stress in our cattle and how we can work them correctly we'll be back on the working ranch radio show after this 
There are lots of nutrition tubs out there, but none can match the True Blue commitment of Vitalix. Our tubs offer you the most concentrated nutrition at the lowest cost per day. That means more profit for your operation and improved performance for your cow herd. In fact, research shows Vitalix tubs increase feed efficiency by 20% while boosting conception rates, herd health, and weaning weights. Learn more at Vitalix.com. Vitalix, the true blue tub. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. As we head now into our featured topic here for today, Steve Cody is back with us. If you were listening earlier in the summer, he was with us for episode 128 entitled Stockmanship with Steve Cody, Getting a Herd Started. And he joins us back again. Uh, he wrote the book entitled Manual of Stockmanship. Now, by no means is when I say he wrote the book, meaning it's all his ideas. He does give much of the credit to Bud Williams that uh, was really the 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 person that brought a lot of that type of knowledge into our industry and merely he just took and put it into a book type form uh, he has a great relationship with bud's wife eunice who is still alive today and uh, and really credits bud for a lot of this information but in his previous experience worked with a lot of the big range uh, range outfits uh, in the western part of the country and dealing and teaching range riders how to work cattle in places where there's really not the opportunity to have fences and so forth. So Steve Cody, uh, his last name is spelled C-O-T-E. And that's, I just say that because it, when I say Cody, you're probably thinking different spelling. So if you're wanting to search it up online, then that's the way you can do that. When we finished up in the last episode, we were talking about really focusing on getting a herd started. And as we talk about this time of the year, a lot of us are bringing cattle into our corrals. And so the first question to Steve was really, as we, as we head into the corrals, a lot of times there's a lot of anxiety with with us as riders or 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 those moving the cattle and and so forth and so how do we go through that process so that as we're approaching the corrals we have these cattle in the right frame of mind well one thing that people make the mistake of is uh well and you need to relax you know the cattle can tell your horses can tell if you're um, figuring there's going to be trouble why there will be so um if you follow some of these tips and your your cattle are, are driving well meaning that that they'll speed up when you ask them to speed up. When you prompt them to, they'll slow down. They'll turn to the left and turn to the right. Um, you know, then and and they go and keep going. Then, uh, then you're ready to bring them into a corral. But still, sometimes there's bad things that have happened to them. By bad things, you know, they might have got crowded and jammed. Uh, they may have lost their calf. Guys are hollering at them. Mm-hmm. They got surrounded. Um, so one of the tips that I've got is if you say you've got three riders in a line, make sure that line is a T or perpendicular to the direction to the gate. Um, and and what I do, too, is you don't ever want to pressure from two places with a group of cattle. And so a lot of times what I'll encourage people to do is help the cattle go through the gate. And some cattle have trouble with it and some don't. Uh, and but if you do, then what I do is, uh, if you think you're going to, then send a rider up front and have him uh, pressure from a place where the cattle can see him and the direction you want him to go. That helps cattle do it. Mm-hmm. Steve, could you expand a little bit more on the gate and what's happening in that process from uh, with the cattle that's causing the stall out? Uh, while you just shared with us a tip that can help and and create the movement in those cattle to go by you and, and in through that gate, nonetheless. It is something that we've all encountered as we're bringing cattle into a set of corrals. They have a tendency to stall out there at the gate. So explain what's going on there and how we can help these cattle to work through that gate a little bit better. The reason cattle have difficulty at a gate uh, is because they can't take the pressure of the riders plus the additional pressure of the gate. So the um, the secret to solving that problem is, you know, if you have a herd of cattle and they won't go through the gate, don't start working them by trying to go through the gate. You're going to get another no answer. And so what I do is if they refuse the gate, um, if that if that help at front, you know, a rider up at front, pressuring in the sides of the cattle at a forward angle, feeds them all through, then great. Uh, But if you're having trouble, I don't push it. So you don't want to force cattle in, Mm -hmm. um, especially if you're going to be weaning them pretty soon. Uh, so what I'll do is I'll just pack them up and I'll go around the pasture again, or if it's a feedlot, until the cattle are taking your pressure better. And I'm asking them to speed up and to slow down, uh, to turn, 
um, and to slow down and stop maybe, and then to speed up again from riders going down the sides just so that they get better at taking pressure. And once they're better at taking pressure in an easy place for them, like a, you know, a pasture or a pen, then uh, they'll be better at going through gates. And so that it's basically that simple, but riders are very prone to circling around them. And then that's when you get the breakbacks and, uh, you know, bad things happen and that's a wreck. So, well, let's take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to jump into a big subject that produces a lot of stress in cattle herds. And that is weaning. Steve Cody is my guest here today. We're going to continue my conversation with him about some of the practices and principles that we can be doing as ranchers to reduce the amount of stress and working our livestock. And no doubt weaning is one of those things that happens for those that choose to do that, that happens, that has the innate ability to bring out stress, not only in the livestock, but for us as ranchers as well. When, when we come back, we're going to talk with Steve on that about how we can reduce that stress and keep those calves healthy and those cows uh, happy as well. We'll get into weaning when we come back here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Animal health is key to your business, so how do you track cattle health treatments? Stop relying on pen and paper or complicated programs. Performance Beef helps you record processing data, enter costs, and track animal health history, all in real time at the shoot. The mobile app also makes it easy to log pasture and pen treatments on the go. Your health data is integrated with feed and financial information in one easy-to-use platform, accessible from your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Find Performance Beef online to request a demo. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills as we continue with our conversation here today with Steve Cody as he's sharing with us some of the principles of and practices of low-stress cattle management, uh, many of the things that he learned initially from Bud Williams and then took it to the ranges of the West helping range riders and other folks in the industry uh, continue to put these practices into place on their own respective ranches. And as we left it in the last segment, we were talking uh, that we were going to be getting into weaning in this segment. It's a big topic. It's a big element that we do for some folks that choose to wean that does bring about a lot of stress in our cattle. So how can we do that in such a way that we can keep the stress down in these calves, keep them healthy, keep the cows and the calves both happy in that process. And so we'll jump into my conversation with Steve on that, not only as he talks about weaning, but some of the things that we can do prior to that, that can prepare these cows and these calves for that process that takes place. And ultimately really make weaning just kind of an everyday deal that keeps the stress low in these cattle if you're going to wean you don't want your cattle stressed a lot of people will wean in a corral or uh or if you have you know two pastures you're going to leave the calves in one uh for instance and then you're going to sort the cows out the other way into another pasture you can sort at the gate real easy but either way uh this is preparing the animals for weaning and Mm -hmm. weaning is so stressful there's you know, there's the two-step method and then there's fence line weaning. And I think the two-step is better than fence line, but fence line weaning, but none of them address the real problem, which is that we're shanghaiing the calf off the cow. Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to make sure that these animals really trust us. Like I use the example on the range where, where the cows will go out grazing and they'll leave their calves with a babysitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they trust that babysitter. But if riders show up, oh boy. Um, it's it's kind of they get all concerned about it so it's us they're concerned about we want to make sure that the cows and the calves are not concerned about us they view us as not aggressive or the horse or the dog whatever you're using and so what i do whether it's whether you have them in a corral um, my favorite way to do it is i want cows to go out and i want calves back it's just easier i think it's easier because um usually when the pair comes out you have someone drift to you, uh, them to you at the gate then uh you know the cows coming out first and the calves in tow and so i can step forward and let the cow out that'll speed the cow out then i can step back stop the calf and then pressure the neck either to the left or to the right and turn the calf back and you can do that all day and so what I recommend people do is practice this at a gate, you know, have your wife or a helper uh, just drift the cattle to you and 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 stand as close as you can so that you're not stopping them from going through the gate. Uh, but there's some pressure there, too. And I just do that sometimes. Some herds I do it that are bad about weaning because they've had bad experiences. I, 
I might do that three or four times. And I might do it once on one weekend and once on another. So you're preparing ahead of time for when you really do wean. Mm -hmm. And then, and I've got that on videotape and it's described in the book. Um, I had one herd that was really, it, they were easy to handle, fairly easy to handle. Um, once I got them going, they were really pokey, but then they'd had really bad experiences uh, in corrals. And so they really didn't want to go in. And so what I did is I just worked them. I had Susan, my wife, drift them to me. And I would stand as close as I could at the gate. First pass through was I had to stand, you know, 15, 20 feet away from the gate. And I was just there moving a little bit and let everybody out. And then I let um, let them mother up again. <clears throat> then I had her drift them to me again. And this time I could get a little bit closer and I could go forward to speed them up or I could slow them down a little bit, but they still weren't great. So what you do is you do all the things you're going to do uh, ahead of time with them to make sure that that being weaned, being the calf being sorted off the cow, it's just old hat. Mm -hmm. It's no big deal. And that way you're not Shanghai in that calf off the cow and there's no aggression involved. There's no quick movements. Everything is calm and easy. And after about three or four times, and it doesn't take that long. It might take a couple hours one weekend, a couple hours the next for me to do it. And then your weaning is just as calm as you care to be. And then if you've got the cows on one side, now I've got a videotape of this one thing that I did where the cows are on one side, there was about 250 cows, I guess, and 250 calves on the other, and, and nobody cared at all. There wasn't a peep out of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, and one of the things that's helpful is when you've got a pile of cows at the gate and you've got someone at the gate sorting, letting the cows out and turning the calves back, um, you may have some, especially the back end of the herd, out there pretty far. And so what I do to avoid the calves getting through the gate, and I say avoid that, if it does happen, it's no big deal because everyone's calm. If if a calf does get by, then it's not the end of the world. You, you can just go get it later because it's not going to go very far. And uh, you can turn it around and send it back through the gate because it's done that a bunch of times, three or four times, and nothing bad happens. No one gets excited about it. You don't, because the, the rider is very, or if you're on foot, the handler is really calm about it. So there's no fast movements. So having a helper towards the end, towards the tail mm -hmm. end, you know, the last 10 or 15 uh, or 20 of them really does help. But this is the way to really address the problem uh, of stress at weaning. I mean, if you've got a 550, 600-pound calf, mother's about ready to get rid of it anyway, but not with you chasing it. So, you know, that's sort of the key to weaning. And, and I mean, you'll save sickness, weight loss, and, you, and you'll get them on feed and water right away. Uh, a real quick question here in regards to some facility things when it comes to separating cows and calves. It's something, and we actually have a setup in our corrals where we're able to do this. Now, I wonder sometimes, um, you know, not that the concept is completely wrong. Maybe the process and how it could be done is the issue that we I could be dealing with here. But it's a gate that's high. It's the height of the, the calves, allows the calves to go under the gate. And it's, it's set in such a way that cows can go uh, to one side, calves go to the other side and they'll go under the gate and go into another pin tell me your thoughts on that concept i think that's probably just fine uh, you know how you sort them though the, this frame of mind that those calves and cows are in is critical because if you just use that way of sorting them i i wouldn't know whether or not they're calm about it or not and that's what they need to be in or it's it's a handy way you know you can go really fast doing that um, well, I can go really fast too. I think it took me 20 minutes to sort those 250. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, but that's after spending hours with them. You know, I think I spent two hours one weekend, two hours the next. And then I think I weaned them a little bit later. And that weight in between, you know, if you leave them on a good note, they're even better the next time. And they were really quiet, really great. And so it, the, the way you do it is not some, some guys are really handy horseback and they don't work their, pairs ahead of time and they can still get it done pretty quick, but it's pretty noisy and noisy afterwards. So you really, uh, to me, that's just a, a tool that you could use, but you should only use it in conjunction with the proper handling of those animals ahead of time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because you'll still have all that bawling and milling around um, if they haven't been handled correctly uh, by doing it that way. So, I mean, it's, it looks like a really handy way of doing it, but make sure that you get your animals really working for you and trusting, um, trusting the handlers um, before you use any way of the, the physical separation. 
Okay. Yeah. So my response to that or other ways of doing it. Cause some guys are pretty clever about fixing up their facilities. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess the thing that I, that keeps resonating back as you're saying this is it's, it's really about the frame of mind, these cattle are in. And you even mentioned that in our previous show that we did, whereas we kind of touched a little bit into placing cattle and uh, not too, too much into that conversation, but a little bit. And, and what I remember from that conversation you and I had is they don't care where they're at. They just care how they got there. And Absolutely. so that, the the thing that keeps rolling in my mind is that really it's it's about the frame of mind these cattle are in when we're working them is going to be really critical to the success we have yeah that's absolutely the foundation of it um it's kind of the foundation of horse training too you know their frame of mind some guys are have a lot of tricks and things like that too which are great but you've got to have the horse so um you're not stealing rides and and really weaning to me is it can be one of the worst experiences of the animal's lives or or it can be no big deal Mm-hmm. And that's what we want is it to be uneventful. And while weaning is just one of the steps that these calves will go through in the process of moving through the fall of the year, the next step is for those folks receiving these calves. Maybe they're going to a pen in Iowa. Maybe they're headed to some wheatgrass fields in the southern plains. Or maybe it's just your own background feedlot that you have or range that you're going to have. But nevertheless, the next step is how do we receive these calves in such a way that we can keep the stress down and recognize what's going on in these calves to keep the stress down and essentially keep them healthy, happy, and gaining. And we've seen this at feedlots where uh, they'll receive calves, you know, from all ranches all over, and the calves are stressed out. They're walking around, they're bawling, they're looking back where they came from. Uh, all those different things that calves do, and and I encourage pen riders to take that stress off them. And it doesn't matter if what animals they are, whether they're cows or bulls or whatever. If they're received and they're stressed out, then uh, then I work them until they're not. And and basically that's super simple. All you do is is um, is work the animals to do things for you calmly and so that their mind is focused on you. And if you've got cows that are stressed from weaning for some reason, it might take me 20 minutes to get them settled down and calm again with calves. It could take me two. Um, it doesn't take very long at all. And boy, is it worth it. Then, then they go back to feeding water and you might encourage them to do that. Mm-hmm. In a pen, what I do is I'll just work them towards the other end of the pen, and I'm always letting them come back up to the feed bunks and water. I don't drive them up that way, and I've done that at a lot of feedlots, and they it's amazing. They go right up, and they start eating and drinking, and pen riders need to make sure they're doing that, I say four times, but a couple times a day. And it's so, so easy to do, but it's a concept that a lot of people don't understand, but it's kind of like a horse. They're single-minded and they can't think of two things. Well, my wife says men are like this too, but (laughs) (laughs) can't think of two things at once. And so if they're concentrating on working for me and working for me is nothing bad happens, then they forget about the past stresses. And so I I make sure, you know, if you, even if it's the middle of the night, I think it was two o'clock in the morning, I was up at the feedlot with Bud and he had some, uh, some animals come in and he got up and he worked them until you know he made sure they're eating and drinking he thought it was that important and i think it is and if you're like me and continuing to try to figure this out and understanding what am i looking at with these cattle and under trying to figure out are they happy is what i'm doing correct or not here's some indicators in looking at your cattle that steve says are indications that these cattle are pleased and happy and healthy the the way you can tell that your animals are really well handled and and comfortable is that when you go to moving them, uh, especially if you do this every day, they're going to start bucking and kicking uh, and just kind of having a blast going someplace else. Some guys will even take them out in a field if you got that and then just turn them downhill and let them buck and kick and have a blast. And that's really good for them. And you hear them cough, uh, which is good for them too. And then you know that really your handling is about as good as you need it to be for those animals to be healthy. Well, another activity that happens not only in the fall, but pretty much any time on a working ranch would be sorting. How do we go in to a pen and pull a sick animal out? Or maybe we need to go into a pasture and pull some animals out. Whatever that may be, it's a pretty common occurrence for a lot of ranches. And it's something that could also produce a lot of stress for everybody involved. Here's Steve's comments on sorting and how we can do that in such a way to keep that stress level low in the animals and avoid that turn back that can happen when we're driving them away from a herd. But there's a few things about sorting that I find particularly helpful. Um, one, it, 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 sorting is a bit more, uh, requires uh, to me a little bit more 
self-controlled and some of the other things because um, there's times they're going to want to go back uh, and you don't want to jump out in front of them. But one of the things that I do is is I, I make sure that the way out, if you're bringing one, say you're pulling one from a pen uh, or you're pulling one from far back that's pairs that you're sorting, is that you, you clear the way um, of those animals out. And uh, you know what I mean? You, you'd move the cows away from the, the area that you want the path for that cow to come out. Okay. Um, and as I don't go in and get them and work all around, they'll use those other cows to, to get in front of you or screw things up otherwise. And then um, I'll pressure the animal to go. And one thing that you've got to give the, these ones, that, the sorts, is it when they stop, you stop. Yeah, so you'll control, I'll control direction pretty firmly. You know, if I want them to go to the left, I'll move out uh, straight to the right. And if I want them to go to the right, I'll move out to the left. Um, those are all just basic techniques, but I, I will give them pace. And so I control direction, but they control the pace. And so whenever they stop, then I stop and I just let them calm down. And then when they're calm, I'll start again and go back and forth or pressure into their side or whatever they'll take. Uh, and so that's a couple of tips about uh, mm -hmm. sorting. And and when you do that, and I have videos of this where I have a sick animal on the range, and I can take them a mile and put them into the trailer. And, and you can do that on foot or with a four-wheeler or a horseback. It doesn't matter. Okay. And dogs can do it, too, certainly. There's some really good dogs that could do that, too. Mm -hmm. so, but it's all in the frame of uh, those cattle. If, if you're forcing them away from the herd... Uh, and, and even sometimes it's the worst buzz quitters that you're sorting away. And but if you're if they feel like you're making them go away from the herd, they'll want to go back in. Well, I think now is a good time to take a break because, again, we're going to be jumping into in this next segment a, a big topic that I want to make sure we get it all kind of in one lump sum in that conversation. My guest today is Steve Cody. As I continue to share with you my conversation that I recently had with him uh, as we talked about some of the fall work that we can do in terms of trying to put into practice some low stress cattle management principles and practices and when we come back we're going to talk bud box because there's more than just building a bud box it's also understanding how it works and how you can use it correctly stay with us we'll be back with more on the working ranch radio show after this A sustainable ranch is one that can do more with less. And for beef producers, it can start right at the herd level with a cow that's efficient with her resources and environment. And in today's modern industry, Gelvy females are the picture of sustainability. Gelvy and Balancer cattle are early maturing with maternal superiority through increased longevity, added fertility, and more pounds of calf wean per cow exposed. Adaptable, versatile, and sustainable. All factors that have a positive impact impact on your bottom line. Gelvy influenced females, the smart, reliable, and profitable maternal choice for achieving sustainability in today's modern beef industry. Be sustainable, breed Gelvy. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. As we continue with our topic here today as we're talking low-stress cattle management principles and practices, my guest is Steve Cody. I'm sharing with you bits and pieces of my recent conversation with Steve as we were focusing primarily in that conversation on more of the activities that happen across ranches, feedlots, different places across the country in the fall time of the year. We've already had some great discussion on that. And if you missed it, I encourage you to go to our podcast site workingranchradio.com or any podcast provider out there and you can download and listen to the show when i left we i mentioned that we were going to be talking about the use and uh, of a bud box and so as i visited with steve on that the conversation that came up is just because we have a bud box doesn't necessarily mean we're using it correctly here's steve's comments on that yeah and, that, and that's a really good point because some people think that the bud box is is the design and and bud would say no it's not the design. It's how it's operated. Plus, a better design is helpful. But we've used some stuff. I I had a guy at a clinic that was, uh, or the Nevada School uh, Cottonwood Ranch, and he uh, he was pretty good at doing this. He had a bud box at home, and he works a lot of animals. And we had one that was really, you know, we we took a cutting torch to a tub, and and you know, it was really kind of rinky dink. But nonetheless, because he operated it correctly, he got it to work really well. Um, so the design of it isn't so critical. But I think if you're building one, you might as well build it 
so that it will facilitate, you know, a good operator. Mm-hmm. But how it's operated is really critical. And, you know, you should get your animals working pretty well for you. Although, you know, a bud box works so well, you really don't have to have the level of calmness and responsiveness in the cattle that you might like say for weaning. Mm-hmm. Basically what you want to do is if you have an alleyway and I like a 12 foot alleyway, but you can use what you've got, but don't store the cattle. You're going to, you're going to load in the alleyway, store them in some place else, another pen, because you, what you want is you want those cattle moving right out up the alleyway. Um, you, you know, a trot is almost good mm-hmm. uh, because you want that momentum of the cattle when you bring them into the crowd pen, uh, the bud box, you you want them to come off that back wall. And so what I do is I move them right out at a trot probably or close to it and uh, or a really good walk is fine. And then they go into the gate and then I shut uh, through the gate and then I shut the gate and then the cattle are going to go up against the back wall. And then I want to stand inside on the same side as the alleyway, uh, the, you know, the lead up alleyway going out. And and then when they go up against the wall, you're, you're going to shut the gate and then go up against the wall. The cattle will be up against the wall and you're going to be close to the fence or, you know, safety is important. So if you feel like you've got some frightened animals and they're aggressive animals, you can work on the outside. Some people install a man gate on that side so you can go out if you, you feel uncomfortable. Uh, and it doesn't matter. You can work them from outside the gate or inside the gate. It's all the same. So you, I'll make a move towards the back. And then as the animals start to come around me, I'm going to pressure them a little bit. I'm going to back up. And if you have a horse, you just back up. And you are forming the V. You do not want a V, a constructed V fence line to go into the lead up alleyway. And so basically those animals, when they come in, you, uh, they should be moving right out. And then that handler is it, everything that they do is going to dictate what the cattle do. But they'll want to go out the way they came in and they'll see that opening to the lead up alleyway. And, and the handler is going to be close to them. But once you get a few started through that, oh man, you won't be able to stop them. And as folks are learning how to utilize and work a bud box correctly, here's something that sometimes gets missed. There's a couple things that are really important, but on the internet, a lot of people miss bringing the cattle up with, uh, with good movement. And sometimes they let them kind of stall out in the crowd pen and that kills all your motion. Uh, if you're really trying, you're a feedlot and you're really trying to load cattle, then then if you, you do it all right, you couldn't be loaded any faster. I think it's one of the neatest things Bud ever yeah. come up with. One of the things, Steve, that I've seen, I I've have a Bud Box in our setup and I've had different people run it that were never really around it much at all. Some instinct is to go, they go to the back and they start pushing cattle in just like in you know, that's just very conventional mind thinking is mm-hmm. I want them to go in that hole. So I'm going to go to the back of the pen and push them towards the hole. And earlier you were talking a little bit about the same concept that happens in a corral and you wonder why cattle are circling. Well, the same thing happens in a bud box. They miss the hole because they just keep circling inside because you're at the back of the pen. And I think exactly. the, the crucial thing that I've seen that is having to, sh- is having to show people, you know, as you shut the gate and you are parallel walking to the side of the cattle along the fence is that as that first one peels off and starts to go by that you just back up with them a little bit to create first of all again you're using their uh, mindset that they want to go by you and and then that whole step right there I think is a key thing people need to understand yeah it's quite true it's one of those I think are the most common mistakes people make is to go back and try to drive them. That's not the way this works. Um, those cattle are going to feel that pressure. If you bring them right in, they'll feel the pressure that they know there's a fence there. And so if there's a handler in there, then that handler is going to be pressured that should be taking their attention off the back wall. And then, but don't ever go back and get them and drive them in. That doesn't work. Um, or, or I shouldn't say it doesn't work. Well, yeah. it's certainly not the best. And they just need, they can take a step or two back there to encourage them. But as soon as they come wrapping around them, you want to be where they can see you and where you want them to go. And and then you're also forming a V. Uh, you're the V mm-hmm. so that they kind of single file. And, you know, and I don't like a V because that's when they, they get jammed and then that's when they want to come back. And so I just like a straight opening in the, in the lead up alleyway. 
So maybe you're in a process where you're contemplating building a bud box or revamping your corrals just a little bit. What size of bud box do you need? Some people have told me they like a crowd pen that's 32 feet long. And some people like them 20 feet. Depends. You don't want to ever fill more than the alley can take, but but you don't ever want to fill that crowd pen more than half full. You don't want to cram with cattle or it doesn't work right. And uh, I like a width. If you are if you work a horseback like a lot of people uh, do, then... Uh, then I like it uh, maybe a little wider, like 14 feet. So you might have one 14 by 28 or 14 by 26 or something like that. Well, without doubt, this time of the year puts a lot of us in a point of contact with our livestock and there's never too late of a time to get started on well, ways that we can put into practice some of these things that uh, we have been talking about here today. And as I wrap up my conversation with Steve and share with you some of his comments, one of the things that I'm reflecting on the most was just how important it was to be working with our cattle ahead of time and begin building that trust in those cattle. Yeah, that that's really the secret to everything. And I think I think a lot of people missed Bud Williams talking about getting your animals working well for you, which means to me that you need to develop trust with those animals. They need to see you as an absolute command, but you're you're a dictator, but you're benevolent, so to speak. And then um, what you have to do, you need to work those pairs ahead of time so that they know the handlers are not aggressive. If you can, I think the ideal thing to do is work these cows during the winter. And if you're not used to, you're not experienced with stockmanship, then, you know, work a calm cow and, and get her so she'll she'll go straight, she'll speed up, she'll slow down, you know, with all the techniques uh, and then work some more cows. And then I recommend that you get the calves working, you know, as soon as they're up and about, um, you'll have calm cows. Uh, they have the calves and what I do is pressure a calf into its side. So it'll kind of hop ahead mm-hmm. um, and, and get it to go. And then the next step, the next lesson in this is going to get it to go and keep going. And uh, and that's not too hard. I show that on videotape where you pressure the calf to go. That's one lesson, one learning event. And you got to stop pressuring it. The next lesson, when the calf is calm about going ahead from pressure into its side, then what I do is, is I pressure the calf to go. And then as soon as it wants to slow down, I come in and pressure again. Mm-hmm. And, and you can do that a couple of times. Pretty soon the calf knows when you pressure him, it needs to go and keep going. Okay. And that's really helpful with a with herds mm-hmm. uh, of pairs. And another advantage to working cattle ahead of time before those given days when we have maybe a little more help than we absolutely would need is that it begins to build a little bit more confidence in our abilities in recognizing what we're seeing and what we're doing out there when it comes to putting into place these low stress principles and practices. You know, I had one fellow, he lived across the street from me here. He brought us, I helped him bring the cattle off the range. He had about 400 and uh at pairs and and when he by the time we driven them there they were absolutely great to handle and they were good to handle in to begin with and he said well i've got this 400 acre field and we have to bring them all the way around over here and through here and down through he said do you think we could wean them right here and i thought he was kidding because they're in the middle of a field and and he had an old about a 30 year old horse i think it was and a couple guys on foot anyway um, I, he said, what if I just stood here and the herd was all looking at us talking, you know how they, and, uh, he said, if you'll just sort the cow out, go, and then I'll, I'll move over to the left or right or whatever, give her an open way. And and then if the calf comes out, I'll just stop and you can turn it back. And I thought, well, this guy believes enough in it. I think it's a little asking a little much. I'd never done that that way, but it, it worked. And, and then his son who was pretty handy at this. He just finished the rest of the animals. I did about a hundred and he finished the rest. And the next day there wasn't a peep out of them because they're right across the highway I can hear. And, and so weaning was super calm. And so it depends on the, uh, maybe a little bit the experience level, but also on the confidence level of the people doing this. But uh, all this stuff is is not difficult to do. It's, it's just a matter of getting these animals real trusting, the same as a horse. And so uh, if you'll do that, then weaning can can be, but, but you want to, you don't want really <laughs> too much help doing this. You want people that are, are real quiet with the animals and you want to keep the movements uh, real quiet, uh, kind of like walk like an old man, which is getting easier every year. But uh, <laughs> if you know what I mean, if you get someone in there, jumps around and gets them buzzed up again, why then you'll, you'll be back to. And that happens. You know, we, I've had weanings that are going really well. And then, you know, some neighbors will show up to help. And 
And it's good of them to do that, but it really wasn't the kind of help we needed at the moment. So. Mm-hmm. Well, Steve, thanks again for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Man, I'll tell you, a lot of things to think about as we go through some different activities and events that take place for a lot of us here in the fall of the year. And I know for myself, just kind of going through this conversation with you again here today, just I see things uh, a little bit differently. It's going to be definitely, folks, one of these shows that if you go back and you listen to the show again, I think you'll be, you'll pick up some things you maybe missed the first time. So I encourage you to do that. And Steve, on behalf of all of us here at the Working Ranch Radio Show, thanks for joining us here on our program today. Yeah, my, my pleasure. Thanks. And again, my guest today has been Steve Cody, and his last name is spelled C-O-T-E. And the only reason I mention that is because if you want to find out more information and go to his website, it's CodyStockmanship.com. And he truly is, folks, somebody that is uh, really a, a proponent of just getting information out about low-stress cattle management, These a lot of the different principles and practices that we talked about today and what we've talked about with him before. You can find out more information about him at his website and by the way of course he does have a book and a thumb drive and some other uh, pocket guides some things like that that you can uh, purchase if you're so inclined to as well he's a great resource and i appreciate him joining us here today on the working ranch radio show well stay with us when we come back meteorologist don day joins us as we take a look at our long-term weather we'll be back on the working ranch radio show after this Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Day Weather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Day Weather Weather Journal is a great gift idea for any occasion. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills as we head now and take a look at our long-term weather. Joining us is meteorologist Don Day with a look at our weather. And Don, last week we talked a little bit about the third week of September being a week where we know something's going to happen. And not a whole lot's changed in terms of that opinion out there that we do know there's things shaping up. It is that going to be that time frame where if anybody's going to give you a 7 to 10 day accurate outlook, they're full of baloney. <laughs> yeah, seven to ten day outlook is is hard any time of the year, but when you're changing seasons, uh, that's certainly the case. But uh, the writing is on the wall that we're going to start to see the release of some colder weather from northwest Canada into parts of the United States, and really even in the past week, mm-hmm. uh, we have seen some cooler, more fallish like weather cover a lot of the U.S. I mm-hmm. mean, even down south. Uh, temperatures uh, have been not nearly as hot down into Oklahoma and Texas and down into New Mexico. They've not only cooled off, but they've been able to pick up some needed rainfall as well. And that's spread across a large part of the country. So we've seen summer get turned down significantly. But as we get into next week, we're going to see a system coming in out of northwest areas of Canada off the coast of British Columbia. And we're going to see from the Pacific Northwest through parts of the central and northern Rockies, and then later afterwards, late next week, some colder weather moving into the northern plains. And I think it's the the type of system that really kind of just says, okay, uh, hello, this is fall. I'm here knocking <laughs> yeah. on the door. Yeah, for sure. And and I mean, I think even people have felt it. I mean, you just kind of feel it in the air, some things changing. So with that, we, we talk about that potential of seeing that through the Northwest and the Northern Plains. When we look at that Midwest part of the country, uh, I know we're still maybe a little ways off, or we are a ways off from any of the fall harvest on the corn, but where where are they at? Because, man, their summer in the Midwest or in the, in, the, in the Corn Belt area has been hot and then wet, then hot and then wet. And so is there anything that they're going to see that's going to affect our corn crop for the year? It doesn't look like it. I mean, they, they have trended uh, cooler in the, in the Midwest and the Corn Belt, but it's also come with a pattern that's been a little bit drier as well. Um, and, and what I see 
really for the for the last uh, days of September for that part of the United States is going to be pretty much tracking near averages. So I think in terms of any significant weather to, to change the outcome of yields or crop conditions there, I don't see that at the moment. Mm-hmm. I want to swing back to the to the southwestern part of the country because when this weather does change, that is a the Four Corners area is an area that's looking like they're going to be quite a bit cooler than average. Yeah, they've been able to pick up a little bit of moisture this week. They're seeing some shower and thunderstorm activity with these systems that have come through the West. So they've cooled off a bit. They, they you know, that is a part of the country, this, the Four Corners region, uh, Northeast Arizona, Southwest Colorado, uh, Northwest New Mexico in particular, that really did not have a very good rain season with the, the summer monsoon. So getting a little bit of precipitation in September certainly helped. Mm-hmm. And I guess one final thing, um, because we're a long ways from a coast where I'm at here in northeastern Wyoming, uh, as far as the Atlantic and hurricane activity, how are we looking there? Any any st- name storms coming in that could have an, out, uh, have an effect at some point? Well, the Atlantic continues this to churn out hurricanes one after another, but this week, they've really just been out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're they're affecting shipping lanes, and we will see some pretty rough weather head up into parts of New England this weekend and into early next week uh, with the remains of Lee. But long-range trends right now are for the, the hurricane activity in the Atlantic to stay in the Atlantic. Now, that's not to say we might see something developing in the Gulf later on or or along the southeast U.S. coast, but at least for another week or so, we don't see that. Okay. All right. Well, Don, appreciate the update. Gives us, we kind of got a lot of part of the country covered here today. Appreciate you giving us an update on the weather. Good to be here. Again, that is meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. You can find him each and every morning on his daily video podcast at dayweather.com. It's also a YouTube channel out there. Take a listen for yourself. It's always good. Uh, one of the nice things about that is it comes with pictures and it comes with a visual on that. Sometimes that's always good to see too as we're trying to figure out what our weather is going to look like for the upcoming days here. Very important for a lot of us here in agriculture. Stay with us. We'll put a wrap on this week's show when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Age-stressed cattle during weaning, shipping, receiving, and vaccination by delivering a multi-day supply of essential minerals and nutrients. With Zinpro Profusion Drench, you can keep receiving calves performing and achieve a 16 to 1 return on investment with 20% reduced respiratory loss. Optimize performance from the start with Zinpro Profusion Drench. Well, before we head out here today, uh, you know, just some final comments as we were listening and hearing from Steve Cody today on low stress cattle handling practices for the fall time of the year and, and all of this. I guess one of my biggest takeaways, and it's something that I pulled away from and the neighbor I'd mentioned earlier that I was helping this week ship yearlings and something that uh, he did this summer quite a bit was getting these cattle settled as they move into a pasture or as you're working with those cattle so that when that high impact day does come that it really isn't quite the impact on them that it would be if you if they were just pretty much left out in the pasture untouched i think that was a key takeaway for myself and i hope for for each of you that you pulled something out of the show it's uh, really going to be easy for you to go back and listen to it like i've uh, had said earlier this is one of those shows that it probably would pay to go back and listen to it again i appreciate steve joining us on our program today also i do want to thank our sponsors of the working ranch radio show Vitalix, the true blue tub. Find out more at Vitalix.com. And the American Gelvie Association, the Gelvie Cow's efficient use of resources, make her the picture of sustainability in today's modern beef industry. Find out more at Gelvie.org. And Performance Beef, cattle management software that's easy to use. Find out more at PerformanceLivestockAnalytics.com. And Tank Tote, your remote water monitoring system, all from the convenience of your phone. Give them a call at 801 252 61 35 or online at tanktoad.com. Well, the Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, branded number one by America's ranchers. Now, if you have questions about today's show or topics that you'd like us to cover, please reach out. Let us know. We want to hear from you. My email address is justin.workingranch at gmail.com or you can also send me a text at 307-363-COWS. And by the way, if you like the show, 
please give us a thumbs up or rate. That always helps us as well. We appreciate that. Be sure to join us next week at the same place, same time, or on your favorite podcast provider. I'm Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long. Thank you.